Welcome to Southern Discomfort. This is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. Southern tales of the weird, wild, mysterious, unusual, voodoo, Voodoo. cryptids, hauntings. Are you intrigued yet? This is Southern Discomfort. Southern Discomfort. And now, your hosts, April and Christine. Hey everybody, welcome back to Southern Discomfort. I am half your host, April, and with me always is Christine. Thanks everybody for tuning back in to us. Um, Also, thanks for being patient. Yeah, and if it's your first time, welcome to your quarterly episode of Southern Disconnected. I mean, Southern Discomfort. Right, yeah. Okay, so, um, well, tonight we have something uh, interesting, a bit of a spin on things. Um, It's a bit of a choose-your-own-adventure. Each of us are going to share a little story with you. Yeah, I'm super excited about this. It's going to be fun. I'm excited, too. Um... It's been a minute since we've done something like this, but um, before we do that, what's the drink of the day? Yeah, so tonight we have Rogue Bat Squatch. It's a hazy India pale ale, and it is tropical and has citrus tones, um, and it, let's see, it has... Flaked wheat, malted wheat, oats, mosaic, El Dorado, Bilma hops, imperial juice yeast, and free-range coastal water, which is probably what makes it taste really good. It's actually really mild for um, uh, IPA. I like it. This one is good. I approve. It's April approved. I'll allow it. I'll allow it because, you know, my opinion is everything in the uh, the IPA craft beer world, right? Just kidding. Well, I mean, you do like IPA, and I think return listeners know that I don't particularly care for it at all. But interestingly enough, so um, I'm going to have to go ahead and reveal what I'm going to talk about tonight, which is the Wampus Cat. And there's a brewery in... Virginia and um, Richmond and um, they also have a location in Fredericksburg if you're in or around those areas and they actually have a Wampus Cat Triple IPA it's 10.1 ABV um, yeah <laughs> so if I if we're ever up that way we gotta go find one the le- and this one um, says the legend of the Wampus Cat Found in Appalachia from Cherokee Indian folklore depicts a half woman, half mountain lion hmm, that reportedly walks on hind legs and has four additional sharp clawed appendages. <laughs> this creature from American folklore, along with strange ways, triple IPA share their predestined ability to drive people crazy. <laughs> <laughs> I really want to try that now. Yeah, it says attempt at Courage will likely be futile as glowingly hypnotic eyes and astounding seven different hop varietals wield their dominance and potency. 
first in the Annihilation series. Oh, if they're first in this Annihilation series, Wampus Cat Triple IPA should be treated with the utmost caution if the rare fortune to confront one presents itself. Okay, like, here we go. But before we do that, let me just, uh, let me just walk back for two seconds and, um, just remind everybody, um, about our socials. So on Twitter, it's so disco PC. Email Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com. Instagram Southern Discomfort PC. Facebook Southern Discomfort Podcast. And YouTube Southern Discomfort Podcast. Be sure to like, subscribe, and hit the bell for your quarterly reminders um, <laughs> when we do post, right. when we get around to posting. Right. So, no. <laughs> would very much like for you guys to come and follow us on social media. Okay. Yeah. So, um, here we go. And I gave you a little taste um, of, of what this is going to be about. But this is about a creature that roams Appalachia, which spans, um, Appalachia spans 25 states. So it's a very obviously vast and wild space. So early sightings um, between the 1920s and 1960s um, have been, uh, are on record. Often um, sightings are at dusk or just before dawn and often near water. Um, The creature is said to be seen and heard stalking livestock or specifically men, and even more specifically, men near campfires. Uh, um, okay. <laughs> All right. So, sightings are primarily by ranchers from North Carolina to Georgia, um, and they report having seen a black cat-like creature walking on its hind legs and has a very distinct screechy howl. Yellow eyes and often reports, um, as I said, or that it stalks and kills livestock. Um, it is said that very few people that have encountered the creature have lived to tell of it. Ooh. Ooh. Yeah. <laughs> so, right. Um. And so regionally, it's called different things. I don't, not unlike other cryptids, right? So, um, Missouri, it's called the Galley Wampus. Galley Wampus. Arkansas, yeah, the (laughs) Not too sure about the galley, um, but there you have it. Um, Arkansas, it's known as the Whistling Wampus. The Whistling (laughs) Wampus. I mean, maybe that has something to do with the weird screechy howl. I don't know. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, in Appalachia, it's known as uh, just simply Wampus or Wampus Cat. Um, so, there's there's a couple of different um, versions of the folklore around this. I just I'm going to talk about the one that was my favorite. So, um, like I said, there's a couple of different ones. So, if you're interested in um, investigating further, you know, there's other 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 tales out there. Um, so, um, it's different. 
among white American cultures and then um, among Cherokee culture. So non-Native American cultures, um, it, it's a black cat, uh, uh, sorry, black half cat, half dog creature that runs on all fours and is also bipedal. It has six legs, four that enable it to run at full speed and two additional in the front that it can use to claw your face off. Wait, wait, what? Six legs? Yeah, so like four where they're supposed to be on a typical cat dog, whatever, whichever one. And then it's got two additional in the front that are up higher, which, you know, those are the ones that will claw your face off. So super fast, super fast, and lots of murdery calls. <laughs> so, <laughs> <laughs> um, and the legend uh, is if you hear it screeching, if you hear it screeching, how you will die within three days, or in three days, rather. And it's yellow eyes that uh, it has yellow eyes that are said to pierce the hearts of souls and of those that cross its path, driving them insane. Hmm. So it doesn't sound like a whole lot of fun to run up on this thing. No, it sounds nightmarish. <laughs> right? Uh, I'm not sleeping so, tonight. Exactly. So, Cherokee folklore um says the evil demon is known as the Iwa or spirit of madness is I think what that means. Um and it terrorizes villages and specifically one uh called Itawa or Chota, which is now modern day North Carolina. So as the story goes Village shamans and chiefs uh, met in this village and decided um, that it would be a bad idea to send their braves to try to hunt and kill the Iwa because they feared that its power would drive the men mad with just a glance. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. What they decided to, so what they decided to do was, I mean, well, obviously they wanted to end its reign of terror, uh, of feasting on their dreams of the children in the tribe. And what they decided to do was take only one brave, the strongest um, of the tribe, and he would go alone um, to defeat the creature. It would bring a great honor to his family and to the tribe if he were to succeed. But, I mean, it doesn't sound like his odds are very good, but okay. Um, <laughs> okay, I mean, you go. Gonna... Oh, only the brave. Like, sounds like everybody else rallied against So, like, yeah, you. You go. So, the strongest, slyest, most clever, and well-respected among the Cherokee Nation, not just, you know, the sect where, where they were being terrorized, uh, was a brave called Standing Bear or Great Fellow. Um, so they armed him with all kinds of weapons and sent him off on his way. He was gone for several weeks into the wilderness until one night he returned to the village screaming and clawing at his face and eyes. Oh. So 
once he returned, he was never the same again um, and actually ended up working with the children and the widows of the tribe in a gathering role, never to hunt again. And, and back then, you know, that there are big gender roles and that was one thing that the men just did not do was stay back and be a gatherer with um, the women and children. He said, fuck that. <laughs> He's like, I'm good right here. Right. So, um, only for the fact that, though, it made him essentially dead to the tribe and to his wife, Running Deer, who said to be this um, beautiful Cherokee Indian woman. Um, and as it turns out, she wanted to uh, avenge what happened to him. It made her angry, obviously, that he came back and he was um, basically um, dead to the tribe. So she went to the leaders of the tribe and, um, you know, told them, she's like, I want to get revenge. So what they did was they gave her a booger mask, which that is a thing. It is basically a bobcat face. Um, and told her with the spirit of the mountain cat, um, booger mask, <laughs> she could stand. She, I mean, it's funny to say, right? Yeah. Um, she could stand up against the demon, but if she were going to, um, overcome it, she would have to sneak up on it or take it by surprise. Um, so they gave her this black paste to rub all over her body that would hide not only her, but her scent as well. Okay, and wait, she, wait, wait. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. This is the wife of her, of the husband that... Yeah, this is Running Deer. She, um, she was vengeful because of right. the shame that was brought to standing bear right she's like i'm going to in my husband's name i'm gonna go and like slay this wampus cat yeah like i'm gonna go handle business because you took my man and he was strong and big and right well respected and then you just you know cut him down to nothing so that's basically what that is right so um here she goes takes to the wilderness and um she knows the wilderness very well, um, so she's able to survive, and um, she's gone for many days, and um, she eats uh, sweet berries to keep up her strength while she's out here. So after several days, late at night, she heard um, a creature walking nearby, well, walking along a nearby stream. And at the edge of the water, she found footprints when she went to investigate. And she also found her husband's breastplate. So she follows the path. And um, eventually, once she's upstream, she can see the demon. And it's all hunched over the water. And it's drinking from the mountain spring. So she's like, here's my opportunity. So she keeps, she's like slowly walking toward it and it, it's not seen her um, until she gets as close as she possibly can and leaps at it. Wait, so, like cries? Yeah. Oh, okay, okay. 
Leaps. Oh, I thought you said weeps. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. My ear holes are clogged. My ear. <laughs> okay. Um, so leaps at it. It spins around, sees her in the cat mask, and it begins clawing at itself um, because she's uh, she's basically turned its magic back on to it. And it falls back into the water. She runs back to the village, never looking back, and has essentially defeated the creature. Oh, that's very clever. She did some reverse mind trick. It's a little Harry Potter-ish, right? Which is interesting because there's actually a Wampus cat in the Harry Potter world. Uh, I'm not a Harry Potter um whatever big super yeah. fan or anything i've watched the movies i like them a lot i read a couple of the books i didn't finish the series but yes there's a wampus cat in that uh Whoa. in that series or that world yeah wow whoa so the so running deer returns um and the shamans and chiefs give her the name spirit talker and i think uh, home protector was another name that they gave her. That's the translation. I'm not sure what the actual um, Cherokee name is um, for home protector. But anyway, she's um, she's dubbed spirit talker and home protector. And it's believed by the tribe that her spirit um, is now inside the Wampus Cat. And she keeps watch over the tribe's land, protecting them from demons that lurk in the dark and lost places oh i like that yeah i do too um and like i said you know there's other versions of the story that say she actually became a cat human hybrid yes and is cursed to live in the woods alone forever never again to interact with humans so some say that when she disturbs people or animals or property or whatever, um, that's out of anger be- from being banished to the woods forever. Because um, regionally, anytime, uh, regionally, there's a, that's the phrase that they use is catawampus. Anytime things are unusually placed or not how that people left them or animals go missing or, uh, found killed or strange howls or screeches are heard and can't be explained. It's all blamed on the catawampus yes. or the wampus cat. The scapegoat, yes. Exactly. So, uh, cat. okay, so going back to the name, well, we say things are cattywampus when they're out of order or whatever. I mean, I don't regularly use that word, but regionally catawampus is used in the South. Catawampus means askew or diagonal it was first recorded in the 1830s to 40s um originally it also meant fierce um it's thought to be an american colloquialism influenced by the um catty corner catter cornered which of course some people say kitty corner but we say catty cornered when something is you know off or whatever um and wampish Scottish for flopping out. So, oh yeah, so um, catty corner. If it came mm-hmm. from kitty corner, means like you cornered a cat. Yeah, as in Isn't like like you cornered the wampus cat, and it yep. and maybe because they hop real funny and arch their back, and they 
you know, and that's all like, like you said, a skew is not normal. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, so, I'm tracking. So I thought that was uh, interesting. Um, and then there's just this one twist on um, the legend that I read about that I wanted to just quickly talk about. So. Um, in 1964, in Johnson County, North Carolina, along a river basin, there were reports of an ape-like creature roaming the woods. An eight-foot-tall, hairy ape-man roaming the area. The Goldsboro News Argus called, which I, the newspaper called the animal a wampus cat, and the name stuck. Oh, so, okay. so that's what is that? Sasquatch, Bigfoot. Yeah. You know, that's their, their version. Yeah. And um, as the story goes, uh, it drew over 100 people to this small town in Johnson County um, until the sheriff was like, uh, well, they drew them to the county because they were wanting to hunt the creature. And then the sheriff was like, no, we're not going to do that because, you know, he just basically was like, nothing to see here, you know. Right. We're... He said it was because he wanted to keep the public safe, and it was dismissed as a hoax. But um, yeah. so there are. This was, and this was 1964, right? So it's after um, the sightings really stop in 19 the 1960s of the wampus cat. Um, hey. So whatever this was in 64 is apparently like more of a bigfoot type creature, but. Yeah, that's interesting because I wonder um, if that's when it, like, everybody was pushed more out into the cities and then I'm sure sure they still had their hunters, but, you know, people moved from, at least by that time anyway, they had the, uh, a mass amount of people probably moved from rural, rural to urban areas. Right, exactly. So, you know, and while... There have not been any real sightings to speak of since the 60s. People still report hearing that screechy howl. So, uh, you know, there's reason to believe that it is still wandering in um, the Apple or wandering Appalachia, which, I mean, if you think about it, you know, it's certainly plausible that there is um, something in there. So. Yeah, and also I find it very interesting that it, this is a large cat and that with the legend is about a large cat and it's tied in with mainly with a woman. Like, yes, there was her husband part of the story, but in the different uh, iterations that you run across, you see where it's mostly the main character is a woman and that's what yep. these wild cats make these these uh, noises that sound like women that yell, like a screaming or yelling or wailing woman. Yeah, and that is, you know, like I said, those different versions, that's the common theme is that it's a woman and regardless of, you know, whether she's um, uh, angry or still vengeful or maybe sad, who knows, you know, that she can't ever interact with humans again. But Anyway, that was that was my favorite uh, version of the story. So I hope you guys enjoyed that. 
the story that I have tonight is about the Black Eyed Kids. So the Black Eyed Kids is it's, it's an American legend of paranormal creatures that resemble children between the ages of six to sixteen. Usually um, described as having pale skin and black eyes, and they're either hitchhiking or they're begging, and sometimes showing up on doorsteps of homes, but and usually in the wee hours of the morning. Mm. Yeah, so that's not creepy. No, no, not at all. So if you, even if you thought you might fall asleep tonight, you probably won't. But anyway, you might fall asleep, but I don't know if you'll stay asleep. Okay. <laughs> Anyway, so I, so what I'm going to talk about is what is credited to be the origin of the Black Eyed Kids stories, because there are a lot of them out there um, that people have come forward since. So first, the first I guess came into modern culture with Brian Bethel. He is a reporter for or journalist for the newspaper in Abilene, Texas. And he also um, was on Monsters and Mysteries with his story. So this is the count. So in 1996, he was in the parking lot of a strip mall area. And this is in Abilene, Texas. And he was going to pay an internet bill. Back then, um, you could write a check your bills and then drop them off and that's what he was doing after hours. I remember those things. Yeah. <laughs> he, he was writing his check and he's in his truck doing that and he was going to uh, just write his check, get out, drop it off in the Dropbox. And it, nearby was the, this um, theater and back in those days, and I remember this too, they had um, the older theaters would play like a dollar fifty. Features you go watch a dollar show and um, for some the of these cheap show. cheap show that these movies had, had already been out for a while and so that's so that's what he was next to this and he was um, this was to tell you like what time frame it was Mortal Kombat <laughs> not the new one of course <laughs> but like, one. I think it came out like, right, right, was playing on, and, and it had been out for a while because this was the feature at the, the at the cheap movie, right, on the, on the sign, on the marquee, and he was using the light of the marquee to illuminate, like, his checkbook when he was writing, so he's sitting there in his truck, writing out his check, and here's a knock on his window door, uh-uh, no ma'am, yeah, so he looks out, and he sees two boys wearing hoodies and jeans. And they looked to be about 9 and 12 years old. And one was taller and he stood in front of the other one. And he did all the talking. So this... Oh, well, <laughs> this one did. One of them did. So the this boy was mostly pale in complexion, he describes, with a slight olive shade. Had curly hair. And then there was a... The shorter one was behind this taller one. And he never spoke, but he was a lighter in complexion with um, reddish hair and freckles. So this is how close he was. <laughs> like he could look out and see. Um, and the taller one, he was, he is descri- described by Bethel as being exceptionally smooth talking for a kid his age. Um, and he didn't fumble around with his words like kids often do. Just, he must be impolished. So he says, hey, mister, we need a ride. 
we we want to see the movie and we forgot our money at home. Can you take us to our mother's house to get our money? It's not far away. We just want to see the movie. And um, so Bethel said immediately he felt fear just come over him and just said that he felt like something was wrong and there was a sense of danger, especially coming from the kid that just spoke up. So then the taller kid spoke up again in an agitated voice and said, Come on, mister, we just want to ride. We don't have a gun or anything. Oh, why, okay. So this, of course, you know, made him even more unsettled. So he asked the kids, he's like, well, what movie do you want to see? And they they say, well, Mortal Kombat. And then he noticed that the last show, he looks up at the, the marquee, the sign, and he sees that Mortal Kombat was at 930 that was when the last showing was set to start and it, at that time it was already 9:45. so he was like rationalizing his head that by the time he gets you know because he's actually thinking you know am I gonna take these kids you know but by the time I do that and go get the money come back he said that it'll be like almost over well into the movie and this was not making sense to him so he told them the movie had already started and at that moment he looked at the kids and he noticed that their eyes were black a solid black. And so he was... <laughs> so That's unsettling. He really was overcome with disbelief and realizing that there's definitely something wrong at this point. And he was fearful of these kids. So he rolls up the window. Well, he's telling them, you know, I, I can't do it. Like, coming up with all these excuses why he's got to leave. He starts rolling up the window and then he, then he starts... Puts it in reverse and starts backing up, and that's when the taller kid started banging on the window, like a forceful bang. It was not a tap, he said. It was a very aggressive, hard banging on the window. And the kid was saying, we can't come inside your car unless you tell us it's okay. Let us in. <laughs> he drives off, and he backs up, drives off, and looks in his rearview mirror, and they're gone. He said there was, uh, the, the way that the layout was, there was nowhere for them to have gone. He would have seen them. So. Mm-mm. Mm-mm. Just no. Just, no. Head home. Uh, you know, runs to his door, unlocks the door, collapses on the floor, just like, just in panic. So this is where he gets crazy. When he calms down, he calls his friend, Chad. And uh, this whole accounting is uh, of this story is on Monsters and Mysteries, too. So, um, he calls his friend Chad, and he tells him what happened. So, Chad had a girlfriend over, and she was listening to his, you know, the Chad's side of the conversation. And before uh, Bethel could tell Chad about, you know, get to the part where the, about the boy's eyes were black, the, so the girl speaks up, and she's like, I had a dream about these kids who had black eyes. And they were evil. And, and so, and what she said was, if he had let them in his truck, she believes somehow he would have died. So, there it is. That is the first story, to, you know, the first account of um, black-eyed kids. And since then, people have come forward. They've sp- spoken up. You can find them on message boards, these stories. Um, pot, just go into your, your podcast app and search for black-eyed kids, and you can hear, like... They've done many podcast episodes on these, but yeah, it's pretty unsettling and unnerving. Sure, there are theories on so, what the what they're all about. 
Yeah, and they range from all kind of things, but I'll tell you what I, like, my thoughts. I get uh, men in black vibes be- mm-hmm. because they seem to be, they seem to be, like, pretending, and, and like, that's their facade, right? That's their their cover. Yeah, yeah. Like, for whether they're aliens or, you know, I don't know, lizard people, and they're trying to blend in, but it's like, okay, they feel like, I think this is... um some kind of other being or or whatnot supernatural being that wants to try to take the human shape form and they think um what could be the most unassuming you know somebody could be approachable and that would be kids but it's like they just don't get it right you know it's like something's off and they're evil and and whatnot and who knows because what if these people have let them in? Because they're different stories. Um, there was one about a, a girl in somewhere in Texas, in South Texas, where she, her account is she was coming home from work late one night in the early morning hours. Her friend drops her off, and she was trying to be quiet so she wouldn't uh, be dis- so um, disturbing to her parents. And she, she comes in, and no sooner does she come in and shut the door, she hears a, a pretty hard knock on the door so she's thinking that's the friend that dropped her off so she opens the door quickly without even looking because she's she uh, thinks that's her friend and also she's not trying to make any more noise than than uh, than possible because she's trying not to disturb her family and so when she opens the door she sees a little girl probably about six or so and she's got a stroller with a little baby and, it, and all she can see is, like, the little legs of the baby because the rest of the baby's covered up. And so the little girl, she said that um, she can't remember if they actually spoke because she doesn't remember what their voice, what her voice sounded like. But um, but somehow she knew that they wanted, that the little girl wanted to use the phone. And so she's like, I don't even think she responded, but she shuts the door really quickly, like, no, not doing mm-hmm. that. And then by that time she said, her mother had gotten up and asked her what was going on. And she said, well, this little girl's out there, and she wanted to use the phone. And so with a baby in the stroller, and the mom's like, well, why didn't you, why didn't you know, let her in? You know, why did you shut the door? She said, well, she's just out. And then the mom thought, well, maybe the daughter is trying to come up with an excuse. It really was the friend that dropped her off. So she's like, no, they're out there. And then she looks out the window. They're gone. She gone. Runs of course. Out, runs out there. They're gone. Oh, wait, did I mention she had black eyes? I totally forgot that part of the story. I mean, you didn't, but I just kind of inferred it. I was like, she has to have black eyes. Oh, yeah, so before she slammed the door, she <laughs> noticed she had black eyes, but she um had a sense of things were not right and, and evil with, with this little baby and the, and the little girl. So anyway, but um she does run outside, and they're gone. She's like, there was nowhere for them to to have, uh, they had ma- could have made it. Um outside of her view you know by the uh as quick as that was and she said she still heard when she ran outside to look for him she still heard her friend leaving the neighborhood in the car oh my god yeah so that's Uh -uh. how quick everything took place so yeah there's that so that's just one of of many other sightings um whatever they want they have to be invited into your space okay that was the other thing so now, yes, I also get vampire vibes. Right, that's what I got. Right, you get vampire vibes. You get maybe this is men in black trying to uh, 
trying to like disguise themselves. But also, if you listen to other, because I listen to weird, creepy, like Art Bell, old, you know, uh, coast to coast. I like the weird and the wild. So I have um, heard of you know other stories and accounts of um, of people who. <sighs> who see their family members but they're they're doppelgangers but they're not say so maybe the mom might be upstairs and then they're downstairs and there's no way the mom could have run downstairs and they they see Mm -hmm. the mom yeah or they hear like their Mm -hmm. grandmother's voice calling them from the woods to like lure them back into the woods but they know that's not their grandmother but they've mimicked this voice or at least made these people think that that's who's talking to them yeah yeah so I get those vibes too, those creepy, weird, like, let me in, you know, trying to like fool you. Little soul sucker. Yeah. <laughs> so y'all just watch out because I'm fearful of that because I would, oh my gosh, as, as non-observant and detail-oriented as I am and also like, no, I'm not detail-oriented is what I'm trying to say. And or sometimes I'm like in my own little world, but I'm also just always looking out for the kids. You know, I feel like, oh my gosh, and maybe I'm putting this out there and I shouldn't, but I'm thinking, man, is that going to be what does me in? (laughs) Somebody disguises a little kid, like, please. It's going to be me with an animal. Yes, right, right. (laughs) Oh gosh. Okay. Yes. Yeah, that's super creepy. It is. So, that's it for tonight, but I just wanted to tell everybody thank you for having the patience um, for, you know, waiting um, and the, uh, you know, the, waiting for us to put out another episode um, and we will be, there will be more, yeah, working hard behind the scenes to bring y'all the next one. So y'all have a really good night until next time and remember to keep one eye open. Because you never know what you might see. Typical cat dog. Cat dog. Cat dog. Cat dog. Whatever. Whichever one. So, I don't think that they named the Wampus Cat. Or, 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 wait. Hit stop. I went to an Ivy League school. I'm very highly educated. I know words. I have the best words. I have the But there's no better word than stupid. Right? There is none. I don't think that, um, oh my God, what am I trying to say? I'm just real blank. You're so dumb. You are really dumb. For real. Before I had even mentioned this topic, had you ever heard of the Black Eyed Kids? You've been listening to Southern Discomfort with April and Christine. As you can tell, this is one of the most unique podcasts on the internet. So we want you to be able to reach out to us. Send emails to Southern Discomfort Podcast at gmail.com. On Facebook, it's Southern Discomfort Podcast. And on Instagram, it's Southern Discomfort PC. And for shows, visit southerndiscomfort.podbean.com. And this podcast can be found anywhere you get your podcasts. Till next time, keep one eye open because you never know what you might see. This is Southern Discomfort. Signing off.